0: Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a 6'3 sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and the agency owner of Portal Insurance. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? I'm the best I have ever been. I'm probably the most excited that I have ever been for a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It is very rare that Scott Howell is starstruck. I will say this, today's podcast, because I've been following this guy for a long time, And I study him the way that the Discovery Channel studies meerkats. I am a little bit starstruck today. Was not starstruck at Gary Vaynerchuk's office. Uh, I've met famous people before. I've talked to famous people before. This guy that we're going to interview today, ladies and gentlemen, is a first ballot entrepreneurial Hall of Famer. I am excited for him to be here, and I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. So without further ado... Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce to you he is a graduate of the University of Southern California in 1982. Upon graduation, he joined the U.S. Army, where he served in many different roles, including military police and a U.S. Army recruiter. In 1999, he completed his doctoral degree, and today he is the founder and president of Inspire a Nation Business Mentoring Services and the CEO of of the Williams Family Investment Group, a group of more than 160 partner agencies that produce almost a billion dollars a year in new and renewal insurance premiums. He has also authored three books in the insurance industry, and he and his team work with many of the top insurance agencies and companies in North America. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you the first time on the Insurance Guys podcast, Dr. Billy Williams. How are you, Dr. Williams?
1: Oh my goodness. After that, I I don't know if I can live up to those expectations.
0: Oh, yes, you can. But, you know, yes, you how can. How many times we'll do, have I'm we heard do that?
1: My best. <laughs> <laughs> I can promise I'm do my best.
0: Hey, hey, hey Dr. Williams, I need more of you in my life. Now, now, this is the part of the podcast where you say, Scott, why do you need more of me in your life? Go ahead.
1: All right, let, let me do that. Hold on, let me, let, me, let me make sure I do this right. Okay. So, Scott, why do you need more of me in your life?
0: Well, it's funny that you should ask that question. I need more of you in my life because I have the most electrifying podcast in the history of of the insurance industry, and I get paid in Chick Fil A coupons. Hey,
1: Chick Fil A, <laughs> hey, that's that's my that's my franchise, man. I I can join you on that Chick Fil A coupons, man. Run. Billy, I'm, Billy, I'm, I'm with, with you.
0: I could eat Chick, I
2: could eat the I, same thing at Chick
0: Fil A every day 100%, and not complain. Hundred percent, absolutely. Doctor Williams, I want to tell you what an honor it is to have you on this show today. One thing that stood, a couple things that stood out to me about you. Uh, first of all, I believe it was around 1987, you were a U.S. Army recruiter. Obviously, you are one of the people that I have studied and met, and, or not met, but, but feel like I've met in my life, that has always been a winner, has always been the kind of guy that, that was going to figure things out and have been extremely successful in your life. But around 1987, as a U.S. Army recruiter, if I'm not mistaken, and please correct me if I am, but you went to Alabama A and M University. Now, now, what what is the significance of that? Well, that is about two miles from my office in Huntsville, Alabama. Really? Yes. Hmm. Is that yes. is that correct, yep. Doctor Williams?
1: Absolutely. Well, the year the years are wrong. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I did go to Alabama A and M. So in 1987, I was actually sitting in Panama because we were overthrowing Mm. Noriega. Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. And
1: so I was actually still a military police officer sitting in Panama Mm in 1987. But when I, as soon as I got back in 1987, I was stationed at Fort Bragg, but Fort Bragg sent me on a, on a uh, trip to normal Alabama, which is where the university of Alabama sits. Right. And I actually enrolled, I think it was the end of 87 or beginning of 88, mm-hmm. but I didn't actually get to attend until 19, 1992 gotcha. is when I actually attended University of Alabama. But no, but I lived in Huntsville for four, I think from 1992 to 1997, Gotcha. I was stationed in Huntsville.
0: Now, Dr. Williams, I want to ask you a question. How long has it been since you've been to Huntsville, Alabama?
1: I was there probably six months ago because my daughter, okay, my daughter went to University of Alabama, but Mm -hmm. the house that she has Mm -hmm. is still in Huntsville.
0: Got you. Well, as you know, Huntsville is, I think it's been ranked the third fastest growing city in the United States. Uh, Of course, the FBI is moving their headquarters there. Toyota and Mazda Just to be closer to you. No. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it is a, a time of change in Huntsville. Uh, we're going through a lot of growth right now. There's cranes. I walk Mm -hmm. out of my office and there's just cranes everywhere around my, my office. And it's amazing to see. I've never been a part of a city that is going through growth on steroids like that before. This is the first time I've ever seen that. And, uh, it is just, okay. amai- it's amazing to see all the growth right now in Huntsville. It's, it's truly amazing.
1: Well, well, let me tell you a quick story. I know we're going to talk about insurance, but let me tell you a quick story about Huntsville and you're young, so you may not remember this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Huntsville used to be like the space capital of the United States. We right. were past Houston. We had all of that was in right. Huntsville, right? Yes, sir. And then you, we had a, we had a Senator, Senator Richard Shelby, right? And Senator Shelby, at that time, back years ago, people don't realize, he was a Democrat. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. And he switched over to Republican. And once he switched over, over, Huntsville got screwed. Mm -hmm. I mean, screwed. Mm -hmm. The Space and Rocket Center shut down. A lot of the NASA operations that were out of Huntsville got moved to Cape Canaveral, Florida. Mm -hmm. And it was in pure total retaliation or switching parties. Mm, mm, okay. Mm. So Huntsville has been on this trajectory that we were scheduled to be on that trajectory a while ago. Right. But that settled, every, that kind of screwed everything up for a while. Mm, mm. And now Huntsville is back mm. on trajectory. I remember going to space camp. Okay. When I was, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. I remember going to space camp mm. in Huntsville, Alabama.
2: Mm. I did you know, too. And, and I not think
1: they do space I don't, yeah, I don't think they do space camp anymore.
0: I, I don't know. My son goes to a school, uh, Hampton Cove Middle School, and I remember uh, a year or two ago, they do a, uh, the different schools in, in Huntsville have a program where they go for a week. Instead of going to school during the day, they actually go to right. the, the NASA place uh, yep. there and, and, and do space camp. And I think they still do, some form of that in the summer, but it is certainly not as big as it was, like you said mm-hmm. in the day. Where I mean, yep. kids from all over the country were were they, they'd come overnight and stay yeah. Yeah. for Space I did Camp. It. I did it. Yeah, did you really?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we stayed for we stayed for a week. I was yeah. mm-hmm. I was in Dallas because I you know I'm, I was grew up in Dallas, so mm-hmm. I was in Dallas and got selected to go to space camp based on my grades and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I first found out about Huntsville, Alabama. And then when I had a chance to come back from Panama, they basically said, where's your dream sheet? Where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I want to go to Redstone Arson. Mm-hmm. Cause they were going to send me to Fort Benning, Georgia. Right? But I'd already been to Fort Benning, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I want to go someplace new. Sure. And Huntsville I knew was, was nice. It was right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. You know, it was close to, close to Tennessee border. It was mm-hmm. good to go. And I said, I want to go to Redstone Arsenal. That was right. my dream sheet. Right. And so right. they ended up sending me to Redstone Arsenal, and that's where I was for five years. When I went, all
3: I was worried about, I was in the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. All I was worried about was another little girl that I had a crush on. Was she going? And She was. Oh. And uh, uh, the teachers or instructors were taking us ice skating one night, right. and I used to rollerblade a lot back uh, then. You And I was like, out. I'm going to show out. <laughs> and and I hopped on that ice. I hopped on that ice, and it was a, a an actual ice hockey rink that had been converted. They'd taken the nets and stuff out, and I hit a hole where that net was supposed to be, oh, no. and went head first into the wall. Oh no! And she uh, didn't want to have anything to do with me after now, now, that. Now
0: I got to ask you a question. Yeah, I, Dr. Williams, I apologize for getting off on a tangent. No, you guys what, go ahead. I'm enjoying listening what, to the banter. Go ahead. What, would you Would you have gone to space camp if your girl that you had the crush on had not gone. Yeah, yeah. Would okay, have. okay. I would have. I, thought, was, I thought so, you only went because she no, went.
3: No, <laughs> no, no. That would be a very single Bradley thing to do. But uh, no. Um, oh, I hear
0: you. I think it you're, was a, you're
3: every guy in America. It world. was a school. Everybody's shaking their head, driving down the road. Uh, it was a school trip. So it was. It wasn't me going to space camp. It was our class. Mm-hmm. It was something the school did, and we didn't stay at like the compound that the teachers would take us up there. And we would uh, we would stay at a hotel, and mm-hmm. um, so that was kind of the first I think away trip I took mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Probably that was the first mm-hmm. time I was in Huntsville, sixth grade. And I just fifth grade, and fifth I just grade. remember thinking how far I'm traveling. Like <laughs> I it was know. so far it away. Is. It's a long and way. Like, and I remember like two years <laughs> later, like bragging to somebody, like Yeah, I've been to Huntsville, been to Huntsville,
0: <laughs> all over the world, <laughs> yeah. global. Yeah. So, <laughs> Doctor Williams, do me a favor. I need you to climb in the passenger seat of my DeLorean for just a little while, for a few minutes, and talk to the 250,000 insurance agents that are listening to this right now and f- talk to them about how you got started in the insurance industry. I already know the answer to this, but talk to them okay. how, about how you got started in the industry and then just bring us up to today. No problem.
1: Well, I chose to be in the insurance industry. I didn't fall into it, I didn't stumble into it, I didn't whatever. When I was. Finishing up my doctorate degree. I have, a, I have a doctorate degree in physical education with an emphasis in sports management. And then I, I minored in finance. And then I went back to University of Chicago and actually finished a doctorate in finance. But when I was looking at everything, I said, where is the money? Mm-hmm. You know, I I did not grow up poor. I'm not one of those kids. and mm-hmm. you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, I grew up poor. And I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't. My father was military,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he was—he was, you know, we just didn't grow up poor, right? So money was always in money was always on my mind. I knew at some point I needed to be wealthy in order for me to be happy. Mm-hmm. That was really important to me. So when I looked at everything, I looked at banking, I looked at uh, real estate, and I looked at everything. But the thing that kept coming back was residual income. Okay. Residual income, right? making money in my sleep yes. while taking care of the people that I'm working for, working with. Right. And insurance was a no-brainer to me. Mm. The other thing about insurance that made it really lucrative to me, I guess, or mm. fun or, or something I really looked at was being military, I think, in a process. Mm-hmm. Everything I do, everything every every word that comes out of my mouth is part of a process, mm-hmm. part of a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So, in the you you being military, Scott, you understand mm-hmm. when we had a an operations order,
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay? That operations order fell into a process.
4: Yeah, oh, you know, we you had the we it.
1: had the situation. Yeah, we had mm-hmm. the situation. Yep. we had the execution. We had mm-hmm. the administration and logistics. I mean, mm-hmm. we everything was a process. hmm. We knew the who, what, when, why, where, how. We yep. knew everything. Right. Well, when I start talking to people in the insurance industry, most people didn't think in a process. Right. Okay. They just kind of they kind of wing it. Mm. They kind of hope that it works. They throw a bunch of crap against the wall and hope that it sticks. Mm-hmm. And so I saw for me, I saw an inroad where I'm like, if I walked into this industry and I just put some basic processes in place, right? Some basic way of thinking, some basic Technology, Mm -hmm. I think I can excel in Mm -hmm. this industry. Mm -hmm. So when I walked in, and this was April 1st, 2003, Mm -hmm. is when I started working for Allstate. I actually went to work for Allstate as a recruiter, I guess because I was a recruiter. Mm -hmm. So they hired me to recruit agents. Understand, I knew nothing about insurance. Right. Okay. Nothing. Mm -hmm. But they hired me to be a recruiter because while I didn't know insurance recruiting is recruiting, mm-hmm. whether I'm recruiting for insurance agents or whether I'm recruiting for someone to sell shoes, mm-hmm. I'm looking for personality traits. I'm looking for different things. So about six months into it, I was working with a gentleman named George Gray. He was Allstate's second African-American insurance agent ever
2: mm-hmm. right in Chicago. Mm-hmm.
1: He says, Billy, you know, you're a smart kid. You got a lot on the ball. He goes, but to be honest, you don't know crap about insurance. And while you're recruiting these agents, what are you doing? Because you can't even help them if they need help. And that stuck with me. Right. That really hit home with me. And that afternoon, I went and tendered my resignation with Allstate. Wow. So, yeah, I was done. Because in my mind, he was absolutely right. He was like, you know what? You can't. You can't teach people something that you've never experienced, Mm. something you've never done. You know, you can talk the talk, you can walk the walk, but it's all bullcrap. Right. Okay. so I said, okay, you're right. I'm absolutely right. So for the next three or four months, I I was working, but I'm constantly looking for an agency to buy Mm -hmm. or looking for something like that. Well, I was told that I wouldn't I was not a good fit for the area that I lived in. I lived in a little city called Mundelein, Illinois, okay. right? And being an, being an African American, the population of the city for African Americans was 0.02%. The 0.02% was my family, okay? So, why is that important? Because I kept getting pushed to Chicago. Oh, you should open an agency in Chicago. We'll approve you if you want to open an AGN agency in Chicago. I'm like, I don't live in Chicago and I don't want to drive an hour in Chicago. I want to live right here in my own neighborhood. Well, we don't know if it's going to be a good fit for you. Hmm, okay, here's one thing I know about business. No one cares what color you are. No one cares what your accent's like. No one cares about any of that crap if you're successful at what you do. right? Correct. That's what they want you to be good at. Be good at what you do. So I said, you know what? Forget it. I'll open my own little scratch agency right here in Mundelein, Illinois. Well, when I did that, Allstate came to me and said, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We don't want you as a competitor. We'd rather have you as one of our agents. Because I took the initiative and said, well, I'll just open my own. They came back and said, no, we'll go ahead and let you open an Allstate office. Okay, great. So this was April 1st, 2004. I opened my Allstate office. 2005, agent of the year. 2006, agent of the year. 2007 runner up to agent of the year because my best friend won agency of the year, (laughs) 2008, I sold my agency. And the reason why I sold it was because I said, if I can be this good as a captive and I know all the processes and I know everything else, I can be damn good as an independent. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and when I switched over, here's the thing I'll tell agents, whether you're captive or whether you're independent, it's your habits that will determine how successful you are. And your habits are a product of your activity. So it doesn't matter. If you've got piss-poor activities as a captive, you're going to be a piss-poor independent.
3: Yep. It's like our buddy Taylor, if Taylor Dobby says. Independent,
1: yep. You're going to be a piss-poor captive. Yep. But That's right. if you got great habits, you've got a great habits as a captive, you'll be a great independent and vice versa. So for me, and in the military, what we learn is it's not about the outcome. It's always about the process. Mm-hmm. I can't control the outcome. I can do everything exactly perfect and still get a crappy outcome. Mm-hmm. But if I follow my process, more than likely, I'm going to get the outcome I want. Mm-hmm. So when I started the agency, I wasn't worried about how many autos I rode or how many homeowners I wrote. I worried about... Did my agency staff do everything the the way I expected them to do it? Mm -hmm. Did I spot check them? Did we update our information? Did we follow up with our referral partners? Did we make sure that when we were marketing, we didn't just market today and let it fall off. We were consistent in everything that we do. So I always believe in this. It's not about your mindset. Mindset comes with activities. Mm -hmm. And nothing bothers me more than when I'm talking to an agent And they're like, oh, I just want to get my staff to buy in. That's Mm bullcrap. You get your staff to do what they're supposed to do, and the buy-in will come. Mm -hmm. The the mentality comes after the activity, Mm -hmm. not before the activities. And a lot of agencies are failing because they're trying to get their people to buy in before they force them to do the activity.
0: Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Perfect sense.
1: Okay. So, anyway, let me get back on track. So – Fast forward, 2008, I sold my agency. At that point, I decided not only did I want to be in the insurance world, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to be an insurance agent. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be an investor. I wanted to be a mentor because I felt like I had learned enough and I had perfected my processes enough that I was ready to take this large scale. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with with the neighborhood office. Nothing wrong with the two or three offices, you know, agency or something like that, but I felt like God had a bigger plan for me mm. and wanted me to uh, impact and affect more people. So that's when I opened Williams Investment Group and I started to buy into insurance agencies and implement our processes and then track and monitor and make sure that those processes were being followed and being spot checked and mm. and then tracking the revenue that they generated to make sure that the process generated enough revenue to be viable. In order for a process to be verified, we consider verified processes mm-hmm. as the cornerstone of what we do. In order for a process to be verified, it has to produce $1 million in premium in a 36 month period. Okay, If it doesn't produce $1 million in premium in a 36 month period, I don't consider it a validated process. Right. So as an example, when we look at our claims process, every claim that we have, You have to we we automatically I can say, well, yeah, we automatically offer them a life insurance quote. You just had a claim. We know insurance is real. The most important policy I can have in your household is a life insurance policy. So we're going to generate a quote for you and then we're going to give it. No, no, I don't need a quote. Well, it's not one of those deals where you need it or don't need it. It's our process. Mm -hmm. So we're going to generate it. We're going to mail it to you. You can throw it in the trash but we're going to do it.
3: Right. Every single time.
1: Th- that process, that every time, every single time. And that process led to us writing almost $300,000 in production credit. Anyone that, you know, understands the million dollar round table and all that stuff. You're not really making a million dollars in revenue. Right. Right. You're really generating a million dollars in premium. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, but our revenue from just that process alone produced over $300,000 in revenue. Mm -hmm. And all we were doing was sending out a life insurance quote when someone had a claim. Right. You you see what I'm saying? I do. So as we go through this and we we narrowed it down to 23 core processes, anybody can go to my website, InspireNation.org, and look at the About Us tab. And I list the 23 core processes that it takes to run an insurance agency and all i do as an investor and as a mentor and as someone really influential on a board of an agency is make sure those 23 processes are done to perfection mm. it's like football football is blocking running tackling passing you, you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean it's not complicated it's just are you doing your job right. you know and if you miss an assignment you miss you know i'm a cowboy fan and cowboys suck this year not because they weren't a good team, but because they missed too many assignments. Mm -hmm. Too many people didn't follow the process. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, the the beautiful thing too about, and what I love about processes is if we do enough things the same consistently over time at scale, we can almost predict what's going to happen.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's how we built the best fighting force in the world out of people from all over the country. You know, I can take a kid from New York, And take a kid from Idaho, and take a kid from Alabama, and take a kid from California, put them together, make a team, make a squad, and make them and train them into the best fighting force in the world today. How can I do that? Because it's process. It's process. Everything is about the process. Dr. Williams, our mission on this
0: podcast is very simple it is to help insurance agents in any way we can through this podcast, through people like you that are thought leaders and experts in whatever particular field that we're talking about right now. And one of the questions, one of the questions I had for you today that, that just come to, to mind as, as we've been sitting here talking, you know, you've visited, uh, insurance agencies all over the world. You've invested in insurance agencies all over the world. One of the things we try to do is give these insurance agents some actionable steps that when they turn off the podcast, they can go back to their office and they can implement. And I wanted to ask you this question. Of all the different processes that, and of course, we talk about the 23 core processes. There's many processes within an agency. Mm -hmm. What's the one process or a couple of processes that you just see kind of over and over and over again that are being not done at all or mishandled in the agencies that you visit and that you invest in?
1: Okay, there are three of them. There are three core things that I want to make sure are happening in an agency in order for me to know I'm going to make my money. Go ahead. Number one, I need the the agency to use email templates. Okay. I know it sounds crazy, but there are 11 primary templates, starting with the endorsement process and claims process. I need them to use email templates. Because Susie, John, Bob, Ted, whatever, they're not going to say everything that I need them to say. Mm. Because your conversation is a product of your mentality. And your mentality is a product of your history. So if Susie got yelled at when she was 12, she's not going to suddenly cross-sell somebody because she's afraid they're going to get upset. Right. If Tom got rejected by some pretty girl when he was six, Tom is not going to offer Sally and upsell because he doesn't want to be rejected. But my email templates will say everything I need them to say at the specific time I need them to say it. Mm -hmm. So the basis of our, the the core of our communication are email templates, okay? And then all I have to do is teach you to push this button at this time. It's real simple to do. The second thing is text messaging. Email is fine, but at the end of the day, email may have a 20, 25% open rate. Text messaging has a 98% open rate. So I want every single customer to be text message approved, meaning the customer has given us permission to text message them. I'm not going to text message them junk because I don't want to be opted out over some crap. Oh, happy, happy fall. You know, happy. I'm glad the leaves are turning red. No, I'm (laughs) not text messaging you that, that junk. Right. I'm text messaging you. Your policy is in trouble. You need to call the agency. I'm text sure. messaging you saying you're coming up for renewal. I'm text messaging you saying, hey, your process, your endorsement processed OK, or we need more information. I'm only text messaging you important stuff. I'm not sending you birthday. Uh, I mean, I'm not sending you holiday text messages. I'll send you birthday. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to send you holiday text messages. I'm not going to send you crap. I'm only going to use text messaging for money producing activities. Mm-hmm. My third one is bot checks. Mm-hmm. Spot checks. I had a, a podcast that I just did with Ryan Han, mm-hmm. And one of the things that we were talking about was Ryan was saying, well, Billy, people, agencies won't do what you ask them to do because they're afraid that they're going to have to fire Sally if they find out Sally's really not doing what she's supposed to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And my comeback to that was, well, first we use enhanced pain. But second of all, if the agent developed a culture of spot checking, mm-hmm then Sally wouldn't be worried about getting fired. What happens is the agency lets things keep going and keep going and keep going mm. until they pile up so big that once they do check, mm. now they're pissed off at Sally. Now they want to fire her. Right. Or if they had a culture of spot-checking, then it wouldn't go. So yeah. three things, email, text messaging, spot-checking, consistent. I mean, every day, spot-checking something that happens in that agency.
0: Right. Okay. So let's go back. And again, I'm just, I want to make sure that these agents understand what we're talking about here. So when we talked about conversations are a product of your mentality, which gets into the psychology of human beings and things that happened in their childhood affecting them later on in life and how they, how they interact and, you know, self-worth and things of that nature. But when you talked about email templates, the 11 templates that you use, now, are you talking? You're not talking about scripting where someone's actually speaking on the phone and they have a, a template to use as a script. You're talking about an actual email template of something they're going to send out based on what that situation is. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I'm not talking about scripting their wording. Right. I never, and this is so funny. I think you've heard me talk about this before. I don't try to change people's conversation. Okay. I I have no, I have no desire to try to change your conversation because your conversation is based on your history, Mm -hmm. which is based on your mentality. Sure. So I don't want to change your, your conversation. I want to change your actions. Mm hmm. So that means, let's say, let's take a, take a basic one. Let's take the endorsement email template on the endorsement email template. It says, okay, this is, you requested that this happen. Uh, This is the change that occurred. You requested it on this day. And then the second part of the template is policy weakness Mm -hmm. during our transaction. I noticed the following weakness on your policy. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. You
1: don't have rental and towing or you don't, you know, you're, you only have $2,000 medical and we recommend $5,000 mm-hmm. medical. I mm-hmm. mean, whatever that is. So I can try to train Bob to look for that and say that, but Bob won't say it, it or won't say it consistently. And the excuse is, I got so busy, I forgot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, my email templates never forget. Mm-hmm. They never get tired. Mm-hmm. They never get sleepy. They never get a mood. They never get a headache. <laughs> they just say what you want them to say.
4: Okay.
1: So I so no. So to answer your question, I'm not talking about scripting. I'm talking about written email
0: templates. 10 roger that. Next one I had for you. And, and if you can't talk about this because of either, you know, what some program that you have or some type of uh, just just for whatever reason, feel free to just say, hey, I can't discuss that. But on the text messaging, at first blush, you say, oh, well, let let agents and associate agents use their cell phones, but now you've no, got no, no, no. 50, you know, I don't, I don't want an agent out there to start telling all of his associate agents to start using their cell phones to text message. So, so how do how do you guys, what program do you use in terms of technology to text message without it actually coming from an associate agent's phone?
1: Yeah, let's get that straight. I never want my individuals to send a text message through their cell phone, right? Ever, 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 ever. I'm talking business text messaging, right? So, my first choice is always the agency management system. Got you. Always, okay. My second choice is the business phone system. Like mm-hmm. if you got a Zip whip or you know right. one of these kind of deals, the business phone system.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My third choice. Is something that integrates with either our Outlook or maybe you can use a Slack mm-hmm. or use Teams or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Something that always flows back to business, right? Always, always, always. Mm-hmm. Now, lately, because Ring Central, uh, some of these other tools, Jive, uh, mm-hmm. go to meeting bot, Jive, so they're really fixing that up a little bit. Right. You are able to have a business. App, mm-hmm. you know, a mobile app on your phone, mm-hmm. but it's a business text message. Mm-hmm. So, my team and I, we use Ring Central. So, we have the Ring Central app on our phone. Whenever we send a business text message, we don't send it through the client or through whatever is the native text messaging app on the Samsung or the iPhone or whatever. Right. We don't use that. Right. We only use the Ring Central app because it's a business. App. Correct. And that means I can track it. It flows back to my business. Right. But your first choice should always be your agency management system. Mm-hmm. That should always be your first choice.
3: Absolutely.
0: Next question for you. And I'm sorry that I'm just you know, bombarding you with questions today. I would love to no, see up- No, I love it. Well, This is
1: what I do every day.
0: Listen, I would this love to. This
1: is what to, I do I, every single day. I wake up looking for this. So, let, no, we're good.
0: Let me tell you something. My next bucket list item on, on up for bid is going to be to sit down over dinner with you and just talk about life and get in the boat with you for a little while because I would just love to get to know you as a human being. But uh, sometimes I almost am embarrassed to get people on the podcast and then just bomb them with questions like this. But, these are all questions no, that, that yeah, agents want to know. So, the last three years, we've seen a lot of change from a technology standpoint. You've been in the game for a long time. Obviously, you uh, you have the uh, critical thinking skills and the intelligence to move forward with an industry as it changes. So, I know from mm-hmm. based on our conversation today and what I no- learned about you in the past, you are very critically focused on processes. What are some of the changes you've made over the past three years to tweak your processes to keep up with changes that are going on in the industry to uh, continue to see growth and and development of the agencies and the and the the partners
1: that you have? Okay. Well, here's the thing: we haven't changed our processes. Okay. We've changed the way we. That we've changed the activities of the processes based on the technology. Got you. So, as an example, let me take you all the way back. Right. When I first started as an insurance agent, I was the number one writer of critical care policies, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think in the nation, but I know in the state of Illinois for all states. I would go out on Saturday mornings, I would take business cards, and these are little Vista print business cards, and I'd have a my little free conference call number on the back of the business card. And I would go around to all the little fields in where I lived in Mundelein because we're we're a big baseball sports community. And I would hand out my business cards to all these different parents and go, hey, I'm going to have a conference call in 10 minutes where I'm going to talk about critical care policies and I'm going to talk about accident policies. So if you had a heart attack, there'd be something in place for you. And if little Johnny twisted his ankle out here playing soccer, There could be something like a, like a Aflac type policy that we could provide for you. Mm -hmm. And I'd go sit my butt in the car and I would do free conference call and I'd have 40, 50 people on there and I'd write 10, 15, 20 policies that week just from that conference call. Mm -hmm. Okay. That process still has not changed. Mm -hmm. We still do that in in my investment agencies. Mm -hmm. The difference is the tools that we use. Right. So now, instead of having to go out and hand out a bunch of business cards in the field, which still works, by the way, mm-hmm. but instead of having to do that, now I'll collect something on a lead magnet
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Says, are you interested in this? I'll get the lead magnet, then I'll take the lead magnet and I'll text out the conference call or the web meeting number to everybody. Hey, I'm going to have my conference call or my text, my web meeting in 10 minutes, and then I'll sit down and I'll have the web meeting and people – will get the policy or get whatever they need. Mm-hmm. Then we didn't have podcasting. Mm-hmm. So what I used to have to do was use free conference call and I would send out an email or put out a flyer or do whatever, say, Oh, I'm going to have a conference call, you know, on this particular thing. We're going to talk about this. We'd love to have you guys out there. Now I have a podcast,
4: right? You yeah. know what I mean? I, so I, what yes. people
1: are, and even, even looking at Facebook, people say, Oh, Facebook allows me to really isolate who the customer was mm-hmm. and, well guess what? Yellow pages did too. Right. A person would look through the yellow page and see your big one page ad and go, insurance agent. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. So even then you still had the ability to segment who was who was targeting you or mm-hmm. who you were targeting. Mm-hmm. So what's really changed is the the technology has not brought about a change in Processes, mm-hmm. it's brought about a change in what we use to perform those processes.
0: Yeah, the the tools that you're using to perform those processes to get the result. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Because at the end of the day, an endorsement is endorsement. A claims mm-hmm. is a claim. Mm-hmm. Marketing is marketing. Right. You, you know what I mean? I right. mean you, you. Keep it simple. You keep keep simple things simple. Right. So. That's the, that's the big thing. Agents are going out and they're buying technology for the sake of buying technology. Mm-hmm. They're spending money because it's the new bell, the new shiny this, the new whistle, the new whatever. Don't buy technology until you have vetted that technology through your processes. Correct. So if I'm using Slack, like I'm a Slack fan. I love Slack. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I didn't get Slack because Slack was new. I got slack because slack allowed me to work my existing processes more effectively. Mm -hmm. So when I spot check a staff person, which I've always spot check. So if Judy was did 10 endorsements this week, and I wanted to come in and see, did she send a text message? Did she send a confirmation email? Did she send a decline coverage form? Did she mention a policy weakness? Did she, you know, did she send our, our email template? I wanted to spot check that right well, before I had to go to all these different places to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, when Judy does something, I can have that flow. I can zap depending on what agency management system I'm using. Uh-huh. I can just have Judy put a little copy of the email template that was set out. That'll flow right into my Google Docs and then that'll flow right into my Slack. Right. So now instead of going to six different systems, I can go to one system mm-hmm. to spot check. Mm-hmm. Well, my process didn't change. Only the tools that I used to check my process sure. changed. Sure. So agents, if you're agents that are listening to this podcast, it starts very simple. It's like your ABCs. You're not gonna write a damn book if you don't know your vowels. Okay. <laughs> you're not you're not gonna build a billion dollar business if you don't have processes. right, And tools should enhance your processes, not replace your processes.
0: Well, I, I said on a previous podcast about three weeks ago, we were discussing processes and we were discussing agency growth. And I've always told people this. And scaling a business is not that difficult, but... Let me put a caveat to that. You cannot scale a business, especially on a national level, i.e. a Chick-fil-A, okay? Unless Mm -hmm. you have a process for every single thing that you do. If I own an insurance agency in Huntsville, Alabama, and I decide to open up my third location in in, uh, Seattle, Washington, I cannot do that unless I have every single process in place so that the people in Seattle, Washington know exactly what we're doing. It's, it's impossible for a Chick-fil-A to open up 60 locations a year or however many open up a year without a process in place for every single thing that they do. Do you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. One million percent agree with that. But see, here's what's happening. Because there are so many agencies that are aging out, Mm. meaning the owner is getting to an age where they just want to sell. Right. Now there are a lot of agencies that are for sale and agents are going and just buying their, they, they call themselves buying revenue. Right. Okay. Right. And so they're buying these agencies, but now they're stuck with three, four agencies or three or four locations and they don't have, a set process they don't have ways of doing things so now you just got three kids you got three step kids running
0: around saying you ain't my daddy and i hate you (laughs) exactly that's exactly exactly what happens yep that's
1: unbelievable. So yeah. that's agents. That's why you, you have to make sure you're doing that right. because you you don't want that. And I'm dealing with agents all the time. They're like, Oh my God, I got these four locations, but right. oh, these three over here are a headache. And I'm like, well, where's the process? Right. Where's the, Oh, you know, they, they, I didn't want to mess with them because they had an older book and they right. had every excuse in the world to not put a process in. Right. Like I said, and you heard me say it before and I'll say it again. When you buy an agency, and you don't have a set process that you can just flow into that agency. You just took on a step kid who's running around saying, <laughs> I hate you, you're not my dad. <laughs> That's
0: exactly what you have. Dr. Williams, I wanted you to I wanted you to talk to the audience today about something that I listened to very intently last night. I've I've listened to a lot of the, the audio of different masterminds and podcasts and things that you've been on. But there was something that you that okay. really it really spoke to me last night and if you need to take some time to pull it up on your notes on your Android phone, please feel free to do that. But I wanted, and if, if you can't talk about it because you just don't have it with you right now, I completely understand that. But it was the three eyes, the three C's and the three B's. And I know, you know what I'm talking well, about. Here's the,
1: thing I'm, here's the thing I'll tell you. Here's the thing I'll tell you. Okay. Everything that I talk about, it's from the heart. I, I never have a script in front of me. Right. I never have a piece of paper in front of me. I never have a note in front of me. Right, okay. Because if, if it's not in my heart, then mm. I shouldn't be saying it. True. Okay, that's the way I look at it. True. So 3I, 3CB, what that stands for is this is what it takes to get wealthy mm. in order to really get wealthy. Now, wealth is, wealth is all relative. Some people, wealth is more time with their family. Some people, wealth is more money. Some people, wealth is just being healthier. But this is what it takes to really make money and get wealthy. 3I, 3C, B. 3I is you have to invent something, okay? You have to innovate something, meaning invent means you built it from scratch. It was a brand new idea. Innovate means you took something that existed and you made it better. Or you have to invest, okay? 3I, invent, innovate, or invest. 3C, the Cs are you need to create something. The difference between creating and inventing is creating is more like music, movies, something that it's not a real physical thing a lot of times. Okay. So you have to create something. You have to build a community like the Kardashians. That's what they did. Or all these reality TV shows, they build this community. All right. And in this community, they they either sell to the community or they sell access to the community.
4: This podcast.
1: And Right. Like the, like what you're doing here with your podcast. Sure. But, but the third C is connect. This is what Google does. This is what Amazon does. Mm -hmm. They connect people with a problem Mm -hmm. to solution. So if you look at all the biggest companies in the world, whether it's Microsoft, which use the, they, they invented something, Mm -hmm. they innovated something, they invest, they own a lot of smaller companies, Mm -hmm. They create something, they build a community, and they connect. You take Berkshire Hathaway,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is you know one of the biggest investment companies in the world, $300,000 a share stock. Right. What do they do? They invest. Mm-hmm. And when they invest, they expect those people to innovate. They expect those people to build a community. You take what's happening with your podcast. You take what's happening with whatever. You take what I do with the Williams Family Investment Group. Mm-hmm. I don't invent insurance agents. Right. I innovate insurance agency. Mm-hmm. I connect mm-hmm. by taking those insurance agencies I invest in mm-hmm. and connecting them with the best processes, the best tools, the best solutions. Uh-huh. I, I do all those things. Uh-huh. So and then the B stands for build a business. See part of the problem that agents have is we have forgot that we are a business first. Uh-huh. Yes, we help our communities. Yes, we do whatever, but we're a business first. And this is going to piss a lot of your listeners off. But a lot of your people are only in insurance because they couldn't get a job somewhere else. So they hired themselves since no one else would hire them, and they refused to fire themselves. Okay? I agree. So they're not necessarily in business. They are just happy to have a job. Does that make sense? So 3I, 3CB. Okay. So that's what that stands for. Now, what specific questions do you have about any of the I's or C's or anything I can answer for you? I
0: I don't really have any questions. I just wanted to make sure that the insurance agents listening to this were able to write that shit down, study it, learn it, and realize that you've got to do one of those things. Or like you said, a multi- combination. combination of those things if you're going to be successful and, and you know, be successful in business. And I think it's important for them to hear that. I wanted to ask you another question relative to your time with people that I guess you could consider famous. Uh, I, I know that for, I don't know if you still do this or not. I'm, I'm pretty sure you do. Do you still go to the Berkshire Hathaway I think it's semi-annual conference that uh, Warren Buffett has every, was it every other year or every year?
1: Well, he was having it every year, but, you know, as he's gotten older, it's become every every other year now. Right. But, yes, I try to go to it. I try to go to Berkshire Hathaway Week every year. Sure. But the actual mastermind, which is what you're talking about, where they bring in leaders, I mean big, big leaders like Jeff Bezos and, you know, uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates Mm. and all those particular things, So, yeah, I try to get to that. uh, But I've also got some other smaller masterminds. Mm -hmm. I won't say smaller. That's not true. I also have some masterminds with people that aren't at that level, but they're Mm -hmm. right below that level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we have masterminds with some of the Fortune 100 CEOs and things like that. I'm a big believer that I need to surround myself with a certain energy. Right. Okay, And a certain creativity. And you heard me say this. I think we were at Elevate when I told people if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in I'm in the wrong damn room.
4: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And yep.
1: I shouldn't be the smartest person in the room Yep. because I should be seeking out people who are so much smarter and better and more genuine. The difference is I'm willing to pay for that. Most people mm-hmm. aren't willing to pay. They're like, oh, Billy, let me let me pick your brain over a cup of coffee. Well, I don't drink coffee, <laughs> Okay. but ask them to spend 2 99 and come to my two-day workshop, oh, I can't make it. So they'll come to me and try to pick stuff from me for free, right. but they won't invest in themselves to come be around a group of people. Right. So I will invest my ass off. I've spent thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years to be a part of groups where people are much smarter than me. Scott and I so,
3: visited an agency one time. He probably doesn't remember this, but uh, after the first day, he asked me, he said, man, you were like 200% quieter today than you normally are. I said, when I get around a room of people that are much smarter than me, I shut up, <laughs> which is largely in part to why yeah, I have not that's... said anything on this episode yet. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> so, hey, no, I mean, we're here to learn. Right, you know, yeah, that's right. the deal. We're, we're all here to learn. And that's why I don't use notes. That's why I don't use cheat cards. That's mm-hmm. why I don't, I don't want pre-podcast um, questions and mm-hmm. all that kind of crap. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Because I need this to flow from my heart. I need this to flow from my mind and what I've created because then it's genuine. Mm -hmm. If I tell you this is what I did, then this is what I did. Mm -hmm. If if this is what my grandfather used to say, you can't run your mouth all the damn time and then remember every lie that you told. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. You can't do it. So that means when you tell the truth, you don't ever have to remember anything. There's nothing to remember because it's the truth. It's only the lies that you forget. I don't need cheat cards.
0: Yesterday we did a, we did a podcast with the uh, original CFO for health South out of Birmingham, Alabama. He did. uh, I remember
1: them. I remember them.
0: Well, the pot, the podcast was on business ethics and uh, his name is Aaron beam. He served three months in prison for his uh, part in the health South scandal and the podcast was or it will be on uh, business and insurance ethics, and we covered a lot of that ground relative to that the the trappings of uh, you know getting getting into uh, lying and and doing things that you don't you shouldn't be doing. And I I, I can't wait for that podcast hmm. to come out. But I, I, my question re- relative to the Berkshire Hathaway Mastermind, and this may be hard to do. It may be like asking you which one of your kids you love the most or something like that. But tell, <laughs> if you don't mind, tell, tell Bradley and I, was there, is there ever been a time at one of those masterminds you're surrounded by the, some of the smartest and most successful people in the world? Seriously. I mean, really the most successful people in the world has, have you ever learned anything at one of those masterminds that resonated with you so much that it just jumps out at you that you could tell our audience about that you could just say, man, I one time I was at Berkshire and a guy said this and it just, it was just like a life changing event for me.
1: Yes. Many times, actually many, I'm just trying to think of one that really, really yeah, stood sticks out. out
4: to me. Right.
1: So there are two sayings that, that I live by every single day. Mm. It's on my email. It's on whatever. One of them says wealthy people make complicated things. Simple. People with a poor mentality, a poor person's mentality, make simple things unnecessarily complicated. <laughs> okay. That's a Steve Jobs saying because his whole thing with Apple was to make Apple as simple as possible. Right. From the from the logo all the way down.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's something that sticks out with me. Another one is by Aliko Nangati. Mm. You probably don't know this name, but he's probably the richest African American in the world. Okay. And so Aliko, his whole thing was success always leaves a trail. And what that means is you can look back over the history of a person and tell if they're going to be successful in their future. Because you don't just stumble into success. Success is a culmination a culmination of a bunch of different smaller successes adding up over time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So a person like, like you, you know, looking at me as a child, I was – a tennis player. I went to college on a tennis scholarship. Mm -hmm. I had a 4.0 in high school. I had a 4.0 in college. I was soldier of the year. I was recruiter of the year. I was agent of the year. You know what I mean? And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I had a trail of successes. Right. Right. And so Aliko talked about that in one of our masterminds, when you're hiring people, when you're looking at people, when you're whatever, don't, Take the words of what they 're saying, look at the trail that they built. Look at the road right. that they built behind them, right, and if that road has no substance, then they can talk all the talk they want in sure. the whole world, but sure. it doesn 't matter. one of my one of my personal mentors is Robert Smith, Robert Smith lives in Austin, okay, and he is probably, if not right now, the richest African American in the United States. Mm-hmm. He is one of the richest African-Americans. I think he is the richest African-American. Mm. But, you know, they and they're in the insurance space. So a lot of people don't realize that. Like, I think at one point they owned Vertifor, and now they, they own Applied or, you know, something like that. So, I mean, just, just all these different things they do. He owns Vista Equity Group. And mm. talking to him, the things that, that I pick up from things like him are Always look for the most obvious, which is, you know, it's always out there, but always look for the most obvious solution. Don't just make stuff complicated. The, the, the simplest way, you know, I think it's called the Peter principle, right. which is the thing that is the most obvious is probably the thing that is the best. So, yeah, I, I pick up something from everybody I talk to. Ryan Hanley. You know, we don't have to go big, big, big. I mean, Ryan's Ryan's a giant to me. Mm. But Ryan Hanley, Jason Cass, you know, Nick Ayers, Mm. um, Mike Crowley, all these guys, I pick up something from them every single time I'm around them. You guys, Bradley and all you guys, I listen to your podcast all the time, you know? And so I pick up something from everybody. Why why am I saying this? Because it's not just about being around the the rich and the wealthy. Mm. They got lucky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Luck is when opportunity meets preparation plus time management plus execution. So they got lucky and they partnered with somebody that took them over the edge, mm-hmm. that put them at that next level. I got lucky, partnered with somebody that took me over the edge and put me at that next level. Agents need to partner and learn from people and get lucky when it puts them over the edge and puts them at that next level. Mm-hmm. So that's I, don't, I know I'm getting long-winded, and no, that, but I don't want it to be about. Oh, Billy's successful because he goes to the Berkshire Hathaway mastermind. No. If I went to the local Dallas mastermind and I learned and listened, I would still be at the same level that I am because it's not about me doing anything other than laying a trail of successes that eventually is going to partner with someone who's going to put me over an edge, put me over in some way. And a lot of agencies fail because they don't partner with anybody. They just try to do it all by themselves.
3: Well, you know, it's one of the biggest parts of, of our agency now is lender referrals, and we, we have a pretty good process for it. I, I like it, it worked or is working. Um, but I reached out to someone the other day, uh, who built a hundred million dollar agency off of lender referrals. And one of my team members, not, not in a negative way, just kind of asked, you know, hey, why are you reaching out to this person? You know, we kind of have this down or whatever. And I said, I said, well, I said, let's say that that we're doing it exactly like he was doing it. He sold his agency. If I pick up one thing, it's worth, it's worth my time to listen to his process. And guess what? I picked up about 12, Right. you know, Um, but I have a a question for you, Billy, you know, um, our friend Kelly Donahue Pirro, I was listening to a podcast she did this morning at the gym. And uh, she had a quote that I thought was interesting. She said, uh, The, uh, buying insurance from an independent insurance agent is the most inconvenient way to buy insurance. And that really spoke to me because one thing I'm big on is, you know, I think that the reason that Amazon is so successful is because it's, it's easy to buy insurance on Amazon, not insurance. It's easy to buy products on Amazon. I ordered my wife some specialty coffee Mm -hmm. this morning as a surprise And I just went to Amazon. I didn't even price shop elsewhere. I could have probably got it cheaper on their website, but I ordered it because it was easy. In your agencies, what is a new business? What's your new business process? What do you guys do to make it simplified?
1: Oh, see, that's my my big struggle is trying to make this whole thing easier because I'm fighting culture a lot of times in these agencies that I invest in. And the culture a lot of times is just job security. Mm -hmm. You know, Susie makes things harder, not because there's not a way to make them easier, but because she's become so good at doing it this way that she fights any change to that. Yep. Okay. So one of the things I'll tell you is there are three basic customers that we're going to deal with in the insurance industry. You have the folks that don't care about price. They just want it quick and they want it easy.
2: Mm -hmm. And that's
1: why you've got companies like Travelers and Safeco and other companies that are really building these online portals. right? And we need that. We need online portals in the way that we do things. Yep. Then you have the second level of customer that I wanna talk to a professional. I don't necessarily wanna spend hours talking to a professional, but when I have a problem, I wanna know that there's a person. Maybe I'll buy online, but mm-hmm. when I have a problem, I always wanna know that there's a person. Yeah. And then the third customer is, I'm only gonna buy from a referral. And the wealthier, the, the more money a person has, the more likely they are to only buy from referrals. Meaning if I drive a, a Lamborghini, I'm not going to go down the street to Joe and look online. I'm going to talk to another Lamborghini owner and say, hey, where do you take your car? Where do you get your car service? Where do you get your car maintenance? Where do you get all this done? Right. So a good insurance agency will actually have all three of those portals. They will have an online quote engine, a, a you know, quote rate bind engine, whether that's through Easy Links, whether that's through whatever, they'll have that for people that want that. But they'll also have that, that customer service that someone who wants to call in and talk to an agent and have questions and do all that, they'll have that as well. But then they'll also build these big referral partnerships with folks that can really refer a higher net worth type of person to them. So my goal in an agency. And I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, you are. but my goal is to always have all three of those portals operating in an agency. Gotcha.
0: Before you move off that, Billy, I want to say something. You just brought up uh, three different customers, basic customers, the quick and easy guys. Okay. They want to buy it online. The, the, uh, the folks that want to talk to a professional and then the... The, uh, the wealthier individuals who only want to buy from a referral. I completely agree with all three of those. The one common denominator between all three of those customer types is irregardless, if that's a word, irregardless of which three of those you have, when they're driving down I-65 South coming to Mobile and they get in a <laughs> massive car wreck and their eight-year-old has to get med-flighted to UAB's trauma center... Or this weekend yep. the state of Alabama is under a Torcon six because we're gonna to have tornadoes all over the state of Alabama Saturday. Congratulations, Bradley. We'll be working all weekend. Um They don't come down here. Uh okay. So <laughs> the common denominator between all three of those people is when one of those things happens, all three of those people wanna to talk to Scott Howell on the telephone.
1: That's true. That is very true. And that's why we really put a lot of emphasis on our service department. Like a lot of people throw the weakest people into service. I want my strongest people in service and retention. Mm -hmm. I want my retention specialist to be the absolute strongest person in my agency, Mm -hmm. not my salesperson. Right. I want my retention person Mm -hmm. to be the strongest person in the agency.
0: Agents. I hope you're writing this shit down. I've got two more questions for you before we get off this podcast, Doctor Williams. Number one, you are an expert in human behavior. You're an expert in human psychology. Whether you know that or not, you I don't are know about all that. Oh you know, yeah, I you yeah you I, are. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you I'm are. I'm
1: married. And remember Mark Mark six four says No prophet is with honor in their own home and their own community and you know, so right. no. That's I wouldn't my, call myself an expert at all.
0: That's my favorite verse. Really. Yep my question is this you deal with agents all the time you talk to agents mm-hmm. all over the country you've invested in agencies you own agencies give me about four common denominators three or four things that you see every single time that you meet an ultra successful principal insurance agent do you do you are there three or four things in terms of behavior or or mentality, or skill set that you see when you meet somebody and you go, damn, that's a hell of an insurance agent
4: right there.
1: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So number one is they get up early. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Employees work nine to five. Mm-hmm. Owners work five to nine. Mm-hmm. Okay? They get up early. Number two is they don't get caught up in the minutia. They don't get caught up in... All the little things that can just drag you mentally into, in, into just never, never land. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not caught up in, oh, my goodness, they're not spending 20, 30 minutes talking about something unimportant. Mm. They're really concentrating on the important things. They block off the calendar. They block off times for important things. So if I'm sitting with an agent and the agent says, well, I'll say, well, what time can I call you? Oh, call me anytime. I'm available all day. And this is a story that's probably going to offend some of your listeners, but, you know, I, I didn't grow up I in, don't in, care. in a military I, family. So.
0: Yeah, I don't care if it my, offends <laughs> them or not. I, hey, I offend my, 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 my own so listeners about half the time.
3: Fend, yeah, it can't be anything worse than Scott said. <laughs> I got you.
1: What, what, when I was growing up, my dad used to tell me, if a girl tells you, you can call me anytime you want and I'll be available, mm. that's not a girl you want to date. Right. That is not a girl you want to date. And that's because... People that have important things going on in their life, those important things are blocked off.
4: Mm-hmm. Very true. So,
1: my wife is a lawyer, and when we first started dating, I literally had to just schedule an appointment with her just mm-hmm. to take her out on a date mm-hmm. because she had those things going on in her life. Mm-hmm. So, successful agents always use a calendar. They don't just let the day pull them in a million different directions. Mm-hmm. They calendar their day so that important things have priority. Absolutely. Okay. And the and the other thing is, and this is going to sound awkward to most people, most very successful people are not happy-go-lucky people. They're not live for the day and life will take care of itself mm-hmm. and just sing kumbaya and life mm-hmm. will be good. They're not. They're critical thinkers. Mm-hmm. So they, we're not negative, you know, we're not negative people. I think we're very positive, very motivating type people, mm-hmm. but we're very critical thinkers. So if, if something's on my face or there's a look on my face and people go, you look upset. I'm not upset, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm processing information. Need I'm smile making sure more. I understand what's going on. And when I walk into an agent's office and they're giggly and grinning and, and all laughing and, and giggle at every damn thing you say, mm-hmm. I know that this is an agent that's not serious.
3: Mm-hmm. Billy, I have a a weird question. What's your favorite process? The claims
1: process. Mm. Tell us about that. Why it's my favorite or tell you the process. Either one or work, which one do you ask? Let's do both. Well, it's my favorite process because that's what we're in insurance for. We're not in insurance to save people money, Mm. unlike the Geico ads and all that crap that you hear. We're in insurance because when a person is at their worst, that's when we're at our best. Mm -hmm. Okay? So... When, when when something happens or whatever, yeah, the church will be there and they'll make your, make your meals for a week or whatever. But I'm the only one there with a check or to the company I represent is the only one there with a check that's going to at least get you back to some semblance of normal. So that's why the claims process, I feel like, is the most important process that we have in an agency. The, our claims process is Number one, the moment we find out you have a claim, whether you reported it to us or whether you reported it to the carrier, we run our claims report and find out, which a lot of agents don't do, by the way. They don't actually know which of their customers had a claim or doesn't have a claim. But anyway, we run our claims report. Then we're going to follow up with you. Hey, we heard you had a claim. Everything okay? Yeah, we're good. This is what happened. Okay, now what I need to do is I need to point out your policy weaknesses. (laughs) What? Billy? let me get this straight. They just had an accident and they just this whatever. And you want to tell them what the weaknesses are in their policy. Aren't you insensitive? No, actually, I'm very sensitive because I don't want them blindsided, if they had something that they did Okay, They thought they were going to be covered in some situation, which they weren't. Mm. And then I don't want them blaming me because they're pissed off. So I'm going to remind you, we had this conversation when you became a new customer you turn this down, you turn this down, you turn this down, you turn this down, and I had you sign a decline coverage form for these things that you turned down. Now that you need these things, I just want to refresh your memory that this is, you know, why that why you're not going to be covered. They can't get pissed off at you when you did your job at the new customer process and now when at the claims process is when it starts to bite them in the ass, okay? The next part of our process is I'm going to mail you out a life insurance quote. Every single person that's under the age of 55 that is not in the hospital on life support gets a life insurance quote automatically because it's the most important thing I can put in your house. And if you think I'm lying, all you got to do is ask this question. If it was five minutes before you were about to die and I could write you one policy, (laughs) what policy would you want me to write? It ain't going to be home and auto. It ain't going to be a pump. It ain't going to be water backup it's going to be a life insurance policy if you give a damn at all about your family. Right. So if it's that important, five minutes before you die, why is it not important that I mention it right now? Does that
3: make sense? Absolutely.
1: Okay. Then from there, we're going, once I do that process, then we're going to say, you know what, you've probably got some policies that are not with our agency that we don't insure. Why don't you let me take a second, look at those policies. Now that you've had a claim and you see that even on, even with a great agent like me, there were things that you didn't understand and you turned down. There are probably things with other agents that, have, that have, they've told you about, and you turned those down too. So why don't you let me give you a second opinion. Let me look at that and see if there are any weaknesses on other policies that you don't have with my agency that I can go ahead and look at. So what did I just do? Number one, if we break everything down to its five simplest levels, you know, I'm a military guy, so everything has to have a process. Everything we do in an insurance agency should either increase premium. Increase policies, increase referrals, increase retention, or make customer service easy. If it doesn't do one of those five things, it's a waste of time. So when I call you and you just had a claim and I check on you and I make sure you're okay, I'm helping to increase my retention. When I point out those policy weaknesses that you turned down, even though I made the suggestion for you, I'm increasing my retention. Because you're like, damn, I should have listened to my agent and I didn't. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not competing against some guy down the street. We're not on equal footing anymore. Mm -hmm. When I say you probably have policies outside of our agency that we haven't reviewed, now I'm increasing policies and potentially increasing premium. When I say, let me go ahead and send you a life insurance quote, let's go and look at this. Now I'm increasing policies. And when I do that whole process, you know what I'm going to get? I'm going to get more referrals because I just put myself so far above any other agent that you've dealt with and any other agent that you're talking to. You're naturally going to go out and tell somebody when you see a good movie, you can't wait to go tell somebody what a good movie it was. When you get great service, you're going to go out and tell somebody. So I'm increasing premium, increasing policies, increasing retention, increasing referrals and making customer service easier all by doing my claims
0: process. Billy, I've got one final question for you before I have to wrap this podcast up today. Truly been an honor to have you on the show today. My question is this, and this is something I've had on my mind for a long time. And I've never asked anybody on this podcast. You've been extremely successful in the game of life. You have done so much in your lifetime. You've met a lot of successful people. One day for all of us, the game's going to be over. Just, same for me, mm-hmm. same for you, same for Bradley. What legacy in terms and I, I want to use that word legacy. What legacy, uh-huh. what legacy do you want to leave behind when when the ball game's over? What type of legacy are you going to leave or do you want to leave in the industry when you when you get out of it one day?
1: I want every agency my legacy for the first of all my legacy is to leave my family just extraordinarily wealthy. Like, sure. yeah, let's get that straight. I want my family to be like the Peros, and you know the. I want to be like the Rothschilds. You know the Rothschilds mm-hmm. have had so much money. They've had money since the 1300s. Mm-hmm. I want my family to be like the Rothschilds. Mm-hmm. But from the insurance industry, what I want is I want agents to stop making this shit so hard. Mm-hmm. I, seriously, if I if I could do anything, it's like agents. Our our product is mandatory. We have mandatory products. The whole world has to have our products. Why are we making this shit so hard? It just does not make sense to me. So if I could just get agents to understand how simple this game is to play, you know, I want to, I guess when I die, I want to be the Tom Brady of insurance.
2: Mm.
1: (laughs) You know, I want, I want to make it just seem like I want to win as many championships as possible and just make it look easy because this this is not hard what we do is not hard marketing is not hard customer service is not hard even getting our paperwork together doing loss runs and getting out getting our policy jackets ready for renewals there there are tools like indio and all these other things where you could fill out one form and it will flow to 20 different forms mm. we're just making this so unnecessarily hard mm. so that will be my legacy is to teach people how to make this industry, this, this amazing wealth building industry so much easier.
0: Mm. Well, again, I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. I now have carpal tunnel because I've written so much (laughs) shit down agents. (laughs) I, I, you know, I didn't even have time. I, I always say as an, as a, as a guest comes on the show, if they say something that I feel like needs to be written down, I always say agents write this shit down Every word that came out of your mouth, I wrote down. And so I've got like seven pages of notes here. And uh, if I'm the one doing the podcast and I'm writing this shit down, then I hope that the insurance agents that were listening to this wrote this shit down today too. But I want to tell you how much I love you and how much I appreciate you being on the show today and how much it means to me personally.
1: Well, thank you so much. I'm honored. I, I really am honored. I really am honored. I'm sure we're going to cross paths many times. So uh, hopefully I, w- I will maintain that status with you by just being genuine and you know upright with you.
0: Absolutely. And we'll do it again for sure. Absolutely. Insurance agents from around the world, listen to me. Get your ass out from behind that desk today, Go out into the big bad world and sell insurance. Make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband. Save money for your kid's college fund. Help your parents that have been struggling their whole life. Dr. Billy Williams gave you the roadmap today to do that. Go out today and make money and leave a legacy for your family. You have the opportunity to do that. Get your ass out there and go do it stop making excuses stop telling yourself oh I can't do this because when I was 12 some girl said no to go out with me stop all that shit today and go go be great move your agency one step closer to greatness today we love you we appreciate you listening to the podcast go out and write good business for the agencies that you represent and go write good business for the companies that you represent Bradley Flowers I love you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of The Insurance Guys. Take care.